Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, friends. Welcome to Bible Truth for Living with Pastor Tim Reynolds. We thank you for tuning in today. I'm beginning a three-part, maybe four-part series uh, titled Strange Gods. I want to read from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 16 and 17. This is Moses, who is the human author here, of course, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, they, speaking of ancient Israel, provoked him, that is God, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. For most of recorded history, strange gods have appeared in every civilization, every country, and every culture. Wherever there have been people, there have been strange gods. These strange gods have been believed to rule over nations, over nature, over the underworld, and over the planetary heavens. In the text that I just read from Deuteronomy 32 and verse 17, the scripture says, they sacrificed unto devils, plural. Now, that word devils in the Hebrew is shadim. It means to spoil or destroy. Psalm 106 and verse 37 uses a similar uh, phrase. It says, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils, unto the Shadim or the destroyers. Now that same word Shadim in Hebrew is translated daemonian in Greek. That is where we get our English word demon. First uh, Corinthians 10 and verse 20 The Apostle Paul says the Gentiles, or the pagans, sacrifice to devils or to demons, and I would not that you should have fellowship with devils or demons. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at the strange gods that impacted ancient cultures, and we also want to look at the impact they are having in modern cultures, and I believe particularly in our own country of America. I think we need to begin with the appearance of strange gods in Scripture. Now, the very first reference that we have to deity in the Bible is in monotheistic terms. Monotheistic means one God. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God there is the uh, the word the Hebrew word Elohim. It's actually a plural form of a singular word. What I mean by that is that when it says in the beginning God, we're actually talking about God, one God manifested in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We call that the Godhead or the Trinity, three in one, not three separate gods, one God manifested in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. They were all three present at the creation. But it wasn't long until Satan comes along and he shifts that reference of deity, uh, to deity rather, from a monotheistic term 
to a polytheistic term, that is, many gods. We see that in the temptation of Eve in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, the serpent says to Eve, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. That means you will be aware, you'll be conscious of right and wrong. And you shall be as gods, plural there, polytheism, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so in the Garden of Eden, we have the first appearance of strange gods. He says you can be as gods, many gods. And then the next time we see this is at the Tower of Babel. When you get to Genesis chapter 11, we're about four generations removed from the worldwide flood. Uh, Coming from the flood, you had uh, Noah and his three sons and their wives, uh, eight people total on the ark. And about four generations after that, people are already going after strange gods. At the Tower of Babel, the Bible says in Genesis 11, 4, and they, this would be the people of that time, I believe led by Nimrod, they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, you do not have strange gods in particular mentioned here, but when they say let us make us a name, what they are looking to do is to to replace Jehovah God, the creator God, with themselves. That is called humanism. This is the first time we see globalism uh, come about. As they, the people all say, we're going to overthrow God, we're going to make a tower to go into heaven, and mankind is drawn to the strange God of uh, humanism. So, strange gods appear in the Garden of Eden, the Tower of Babel. The next time we find them is their appearance at Bethel in Genesis chapter 35. The word Bethel or Bethel means house of God. This is where Abraham's grandson Jacob renews his walk with God. Listen to Genesis 35 and verse 1. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household, And to all that were with him, put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Now, they would not have to put away strange gods if they were not carrying strange gods. Realize that people were worshiping these strange gods just after the flood. We see it at the Tower of Babel. In fact, Joshua chapter 24 tells us that Abraham was a previous idol worshiper before God called him and, of course, gave him the Abrahamic covenant. So these strange gods continued in the family of of Abraham, apparently. And Jacob says, let's put these strange gods away. Then we see the gods appear in Egypt. Over 400 years have passed. And here in Exodus chapter 12 now, you have the 10th and final plague of the death of the firstborn as God gives the Passover. And in Exodus 12 and verse 12, God says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. So these strange gods now appear 
in Egypt or in the Egyptian empire. So the appearance of strange gods began all the way back in the Garden of Eden and continued throughout the book of Genesis and even into the Exodus. Now we come to the avoidance of strange gods. Now, God created man with a desire to worship. Worship is connected to the spirit world. When we talk about the spirit world, that is the world that is unseen but is nevertheless real. In fact, I believe it's more real because the spirit world is eternal. The physical world, what we see, is temporal. And so when we talk about the spirit world, of course, we're talking about God and Satan. And then you have light spirits, whom we would call angels of God, and dark spirits or angels of Satan, what we might call fallen angels or demons. Now, the angels of God always direct worship toward Jehovah God, the creator. Demons direct worship away from God. It is for that reason that God tells his people to avoid the strange gods, avoid demons. In fact, it's the very first commandment given among the Ten Commandments. We come to Exodus chapter 20 now where God institutes the Ten Commandments. And he says in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Here it is in verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So apparently the avoidance of strange gods is important to God because it is the first commandment given to man. Uh, in the Ten Commandments. He says, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Then God's uh, God offers a further caution in Exodus chapter 23 and verse 13. He says, and in all things that I have said unto you, be circumspect or be cautious or very aware and make no mention of the name of other gods, neither let it be heard out of thy mouth. God says, I don't even want you speaking regarding the strange God. So he says, have no other gods before me. Then he says, don't even talk about them. And then he takes it one step further, excuse me, further. He forbids the customs of the strange gods. This is found in Deuteronomy chapter 18. We're taking a little walk through uh, the uh, first five books of the Bible, and we see now the forbidden customs of the strange gods. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 10. God says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. That is talking about child sacrifice. We'll, we'll address that issue more uh, in, uh, in a couple of uh, lessons to come. He says, Or that useth divination. Divination refers to any type of fortune-telling, crystal balls, New Age crystals, psychics, tarot cards, those sort of things. He says, Don't mess with that or an observer of times. That would be astrology, uh, horoscopes, you know, looking at your sign and using the, the stars and the movement of the planets to predict the future. Or an enchanter. An enchanter would be one who uses magic or sorcery or casts spells. Or a witch, that is a female sorcerer. Or a charmer. A charmer is a manipulator or spellbinder. Uh, things like uh, uh, being put under hypnosis. Be real careful about that. that. Don't even mess with it. That That's a charmer. 
or a consulter with familiar spirits. That is one who talks to the spirit world. They really are talking to demons. Or a wizard, that is a male sorcerer. Or a necromancer, that is one who communicates with the dead. That's even popular on television. These shows where someone wants to speak to a a grandmother or great-grandfather, someone that has gone uh, to the next life, they will say, and they'll, they'll supposedly communicate with them. God says in verse 12 of Deuteronomy 18, for all that do practice these things are an abomination unto the Lord. I would tell you the fortune tellers, crystal balls, new age crystals, horoscopes, seances, Ouija boards, tarot cards, summoning the dead, witches and wizards, all of those things are dealing with the occult. They are messing with demons and strange gods, and God says that is an abomination. Stay away from it. Don't mess with it. Get it out of your house. Don't have any association with those things. So we have looked at the appearance of strange gods, the avoidance of strange gods. Now we're going to look at the attraction to strange gods. Have you ever told your child, let's say, especially if you're raising teenagers, to not spend time with someone? You know, I wouldn't go out with that person. I wouldn't uh, date that boy or that girl. I wouldn't hang around with them. Now, if you tell them that, what is the likelihood that they're going to do the exact opposite? Well, it's pretty high. What do they do? They do the opposite of that. So, you know, a a parent must be wise because sometimes in those sorts of uh, demands, you push your child more toward that thing. It's sort of like when you put a wet paint sign on a door. That will draw more touches. People will go up and, well, I want to see if that's really wet paint. What, What makes us do that? Well, it really is our rebellious, sinful nature. You know, the Bible says that rebellion is bound in the heart of a child. Uh, King Saul, when he disobeyed God, God said to him through Nathan the prophet, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. God likens rebellion to the occult. And it's rather interesting, and I have found this to be the case in ministry, that people are oftentimes more easily drawn to the strange gods and the demonic things than they are to the true God. You tell them it's in the Bible People won't spend time looking it up in the Bible and spend time in God's Word. But if it is just a little bit strange or, uh, you know, uh, uh, something of the occult or the unseen, then uh, people get real inquisitive about those sorts of things. It's just a, a rebellious nature that is bound in the heart of human beings. Now, that same thing was true in ancient Israel. And God, he tells them to avoid the strange gods, but yet it causes them to be attracted to the strange gods. And each one of these that I'm going to to share here in this this portion of the message deal with leadership. You see, following strange gods usually begins somewhere in leadership. And first of all, we see this under the leadership of the priest of Israel or what you might refer to as the spiritual leaders. This could be the the priest. We could also be talking here about uh, those who lead in a family and in particular a father. But in this this instance, we have the spiritual leader of Israel, the high priest, whose name was Aaron. If you remember, Aaron was the brother of Moses. He was also the first high priest. And in Exodus chapter 32, Moses is up on Mount Sinai receiving instructions from God, and the people are going to rebel. And I'll read Exodus 32 verse 1. 
And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron. Aaron was the brother of Moses, the first high priest of Israel. And they said to him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. He's been gone so long, we don't know what's happened to him. So Aaron, we want you to make us strange gods. And Aaron said to them, break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. So now they have this golden calf, and they say, These are representing the gods that brought us up. Notice again the plurality here, the polytheistic idea of many gods. So, they they uh, do this, they have the, the, the golden calf, and they got that idea from Egypt, and they soon begin to dance around it and all. Well, Moses comes down from the mountain, and in verse 21, Moses said to Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Now listen how Aaron, his weak leadership here, he dodges responsibility. He says, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot, thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. He deflects responsibility from himself as the leader onto the people. He goes on further and says, For they said unto me, Make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we know not what has become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. Like, it's just amazing. It just showed up by itself. Now, previously we read where he took a tool and he molded it into this calf, but now he's deflecting it. But what I really want us to see here is that all false religions, all cults, if it's not founded in Christ, all cults, all false religions are founded on strange gods. We see it right here in ancient Israel under the leadership of the priest. Well, we move on a little bit farther, and we come to the leadership of the judges. Would things be different when the judges led the people? Now, the people were under the judges when they entered the promised land. And we're going to go now to Judges chapter 2 and verse 16. The Bible says, Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a-whoring after other gods. And bowed themselves unto them, they turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reasons of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them and to bow down unto them. They ceased not from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. 
What's going on here? Well, as the offspring of the Israelites on the Exodus would enter the promised land, they maintained their attraction to strange gods, the same attraction that their parents and their grandparents had. So nothing changed under the leadership of the priest, under the leadership of the judges. And then how about under the leadership of the kings? If you remember, Israel wanted a king like all of the other nations. And God said, you're not going to like it, but I'll let you have your way. I'll let you have a king and see how, uh, see how you like it. Well, the first king was Saul. Saul was not a good king. God had to remove him. The second king was David. David was a good king, not perfect. David had a lot of shortfalls, but he was a man after God's own heart. And then David's son Solomon was the third king. By the time you get to Solomon, guess what? Solomon becomes an idol worshiper and leads the nation into idol worship. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're going to go now to 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 1. But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, You shall not go into them, neither shall they come to you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. So God said, don't mess with those people. But Solomon didn't listen. He begins to uh, love these strange women and their strange gods begin to enter into his life. Verse 3 says he had 700 wives, imagine that, princesses, and 300 concubines. So he apparently had at least 1,000 women, maybe more, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, strange gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Well, Solomon begins to uh, worship these strange gods. And we find that his worship of strange gods would lead to the dividing of the kingdom of Israel. Same chapter, First Kings 11, verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend or tear the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. That's exactly what happened. The nation would be split between the northern and southern kingdoms. Now, the lesson here is this, that a nation's attraction to strange gods, and again, we're really talking about demonic influence, always begins with leadership. You see it in spiritual leadership under the priest. You see it in political leadership under the judges and the kings. Now, the introduction of these strange gods began in the Garden of Eden. Their worship continued following the worldwide flood up to the Tower of Babel. Then the people were dispersed when God confused their languages, and they took their strange gods with them when they were dispersed. Their influence continued to grow even among the people of God. Now, the strange gods, I believe, are at work in our world once again. There are some strange things going on and some strange ways of thinking that I think unless you understand there is a spiritual connection 
You want to understand where this is coming from. And so we're going to end right there today, but I would encourage you to tune in to the next program because we're going to continue looking at this and we're going to see the the archetypes of the strange gods. What were some of these strange gods that were introduced in the Old Testament? And then we're going to look at the arch enemies of the strange gods as we now move, will move from the Old Testament into the New Testament and the arrival of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to tie this together and look at their arrival into our culture today. I hope you'll stay with us so we can connect the dots and put this all together and understand that we need God's help in our world today because there are some strange goings on, and I don't believe it's just political or economic or educational, but it's spiritual, and that heavy spiritual influence is in our world today and will continue until the Lord Jesus Christ returns to make it all right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope the message was a help to you, and I look forward to being with you again next Sunday. Until that time, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living saying, May God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.